Hello there, and thanks for listening in to our Die of Matthew study. Die of Matthew is the dive study that began it all. Throughout February of 2019, lives were changed and the scriptures came alive to a group of about 50 people as they dove into the book of Matthew, all 28 chapters in 28 days. It moved at a fast clip, but even with that rigorous pace, it became clear that it was worth pursuing an ongoing ministry based on these studies. This is how Dive Collective began. Our new dive studies will be formatted differently, but the process of inductive study remains the same. So as you listen through the book of Matthew, know that we are waiting to welcome you into our current live dive studies where we engage with our Bible study members and dive in at a manageable pace for study. You can find everything you need to know at divecollective.org under our studies tab. Enjoy your time in Dive Matthew, and we hope you'll join us in real time soon. So welcome to Dive Matthew, where we're going to be doing 28 chapters of Matthew in 28 days. For the first study, you're going to want to download our dive guide at www.divecollective.org in our shop under free downloads. Dive studies are our version of inductive Bible study. This particular study of Matthew was the first one we did back in 2019. I hosted that dive guide in a different format on a different website at the time, but now if you want to join in and see how to do a dive study before committing to join us live, you'll want to go ahead and go to divecollective.org to download and get started. So we're going to go ahead and read through the first chapter of Matthew. If you'd like to skip ahead because you've already read the chapter, you can go ahead and do that now. You're going to want to join back in at approximately 4 minutes and 30 seconds. An account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham fathered Isaac, Isaac fathered Jacob, Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers, Judah fathered Perez, and Zerah of Baitamar. Perez fathered Hezron, Hezron fathered Aram. Aram fathered Aminadab, Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered King David. David fathered Solomon by Uriah's wife. Solomon fathered Rehoboam. Rehoboam fathered Abijah. Abijah fathered Asa. Asa fathered Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat fathered Joram. Joram fathered Uzziah. Uzziah fathered Jotham. Jotham fathered Ahaz. Ahaz fathered Hezekiah. Hezekiah fathered Manasseh. Manasseh fathered Amon. Amon fathered Josiah. And Josiah fathered Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah fathered Shealtiel. Shealtiel fathered Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel fathered Abiud. Abiud fathered Eliakim. Eliakim fathered Azor. Azor fathered Zadok, Zadok fathered Achim, Achim fathered Eliud, Eliud fathered Eleazar, Eleazar fathered Matan, Matan fathered Jacob, and Jacob fathered Joseph, the husband of Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David until the exile to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the exile to Babylon until the Christ, 14 generations. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Okay, Annika's here with me. She's going to help keep me on track. And basically, my hope is that she'll be able to ask questions and stop me along the way if there's anything that she might think would be helpful to the rest of you. So, Annika, before I go on, do you have any questions? I do have one question, actually. (laughs) So when you, especially thinking through Matthew as a whole, each chapter is broken up into um, like different headings, basically, with different stories. So when you go through... Matthew, have you done your observation system for every single section of each chapter, or do you just do chunks at a time? How do you decide which part you're going to study inductively, and or do you just do all of it? That's actually a really good question. So when I was just doing this by myself with absolutely no vision for turning this into something that I was going to do as a Bible study with other people, I broke it down uh, into relatively small sections. I'm looking, and if I just flip over here to Matthew 4, I have Matthew 4, only verses 18 through 25. So that's a pretty small section. That's only seven verses that I did an entire study out of. So I started out doing them pretty small. And then as I finished and realized that we were probably going to turn this into something that we might do in chapters, I think I tried to take some bigger sections. Okay. So what I think we'll do is for podcasting the episodes, helping people to just do their own observations, interpretations, and applications, I'll probably pick whichever section of a chapter that I really liked Mm -hmm. in particular of those ones that I did multiple sections for. Yeah. And then people can do their own study for whatever particularly hit them differently. So maybe read the whole chapter and pick a section that you want to do an inductive study on or try to do a whole chapter if you want. Right. Because part of the goal of this is to help people figure out how to do it on their own. Right. 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 So you can do an inductive study however you want. I find that I really enjoy smaller sections because I'm, I like to make a lot of really um, specific observations Mm -hmm. and dig into those. So for instance, for chapter one, because it's so much genealogy, I didn't, I think I have 10 observations for the entire chapter. The first one that I have is that Jesus was a direct descendant of both Abraham and David, that would have been really, um, see, I want to go into interpretations already. Okay, so that was, it's a big I'm deal. just saying surface level. <laughs> Jesus was a direct descendant of both Abraham and David. That is a big deal, but that is later. Later. Okay, number two, I have Tamar is fifth generation. I, Rahab is 10th generation. Ruth is in the 11th generation. Bathsheba is the 14th generation. Um, I shouldn't have written Bathsheba there. As I was going through it, I realized that Bathsheba is actually not um, named. Uriah's wife is, and that was that's a really good specific observation to make because interpretation can come from that later, which is pretty cool. And then Mary. So I listed all the women that I observed in the genealogy. Number three, I wrote, Judah became the father of Jesus by Tamar. And that is significant for interpretation later. I kind of put stars by the ones that I really wanted. I know I want to dig into later Mm -hmm. for interpretation. So that one I wrote a star by. Number four, Rahab was a prostitute. 
that should be interpretation. But Rahab is listed as salmon's, um, so there should be a star by that. I guess I jumped right into interpretations in this one a lot. Five, Boaz. I didn't realize before this that Boaz is the son of Rahab. And then Boaz is also then the husband of Ruth. Number six, I wrote David fathering Solomon by Uriah's wife. That would be the observation there. Number seven, Mary's faith. (laughs) Mary's faith wins her the prize of being the mother of God. Joseph's shame is his greatest prize. He marries a pregnant Mm. woman who he can't um, consummate his marriage with for For a a while. while. (laughs) Yeah, for a long while after he's been married. Number eight, I wrote that I love that scripture points out for us the, the observation that it was... 14 generations from one section, 14 mm-hmm. generations between the next session, and 14 generations before the next. So that's actually three sets of two sevens, which we know that seven that seven is a significant number for God. I wrote that they were generations. It was 14 generations, not years. In my head, I want to shorten that whole section up, and so I wanted to make the observation that those are generations. So that's 14 generations is a very, very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, number nine, I have three generations from Jericho falling to the Israelites and King David's reign. And number 10, I have Joseph's judgment about Mary's condition led to one righteous response to divorce her privately. And then I wrote God sent an angel to ensure proper treatment of an innocent servant. But I actually put a little note because it made me think of another scripture that I had recently studied. And so that's kind of That's something that I do from time to time. If I know that I'm making an interpretation from a completely separate scripture, or if I'm making a connection from another scripture in my observations Mm -hmm. that I might want to go back and use for interpretation later, I'll just put a note of it in my observations because I just don't want to forget. Okay, that's the observation phase. Any questions? You have listed in in the dive book the questions that you ask as you go through Mm -hmm. and you're making your observations, but for those that haven't, seen the booklet can you maybe talk through a couple of the questions that you ask maybe not specifically but just generally the questions that you ask as you're making those observations right so those first questions would be who what where when and then you stop there because your interpretation questions would be why how here one some good examples would be Jesus was a direct descendant of both Abraham and David. There's lots of who answers that you Mm -hmm. would have in this section. So who would be Tamar, Rehab, Ruth, Bathsheba. I could have answered a where question. I don't think I have any in here. When would be the 14 generations, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So just your basic surface level questions where you're literally just observing is what I'm doing in the observation section. Okay. So for the interpretation section, this is always the most fun for me. This is where I really Mm -hmm. like to dig in. I thought about how Jesus is known as the Lion of Judah. And I was thinking about Judah and where he falls into this. Judah and Tamar are the ones that are listed together. And if I look back, this would be in verse 3. This is where you could go back and you could look up more information about Mm -hmm. the other people. So if you were to look up the story of Judah and Tamar, you would find out that Tamar... I think I even called her a widow maker. She had like lost several <laughs> husbands. <laughs> yeah. Several husbands had died and Judah wanted to make her, um, Judah did not want to do right by her basically to give her children. And so she tricked him by pretending to be a prostitute mm-hmm. into sleeping with her. And so that's how she ended up with children. So 
it's a pretty disgraceful story for how they, they never, up. They never got married, right? They, no, no. Yeah. They never got married. Judas sleeps with a prostitute. Um, tricks her, he, She tricks them into doing it. Uh, that's how we end up with Jesus in the end. Okay, so then that was the first thing that I thought of. And then as I kept thinking about it, so many of these stories are the same thing with Salmon, Father Boaz by Rahab. Rahab was the prostitute that gave the signal to the spies and mm-hmm. housed the spies. And she became saved through that whole experience. And it made me wonder, and I couldn't go back and find it, but I would have the question, is it possible that maybe Salmon was one of the spies? Mm-hmm. Like, is it possible that that's how he met her and mm-hmm. he kind of fell in love with this woman with integrity who saved them Mm -hmm. and kept them safe in the midst of that. So I did not have an answer to that, but that would be a great interpretation question to go. Like those are the, I wonder if. To dig back in, connect all the stories. To dig back into that. So Salmon marries a prostitute. Well, I didn't realize that Boaz was the son of Rahab, a prostitute. So then when he marries a Moabite, it wouldn't have been crazy for him to marry outside of the Mm -hmm. Israelite community. So when Ruth comes to him, she comes to him and basically lays herself at his feet, basically giving herself to him. And he takes her as a spouse. And that's how we get who? Obed, the father of Jesse. So it turns out Ruth is actually the grandfather of King David. Mm -hmm. So all of these things um, come together, which is really cool. Well, then looking at Moab, looking at Ruth, because I had been doing this, reading the Bible in a year, mm-hmm. I had just read about the Moabites and where they came from. And so you may or may not know this, but Moabites are descendants of Lot. And Lot only has descendants because his daughters mm-hmm. got him drunk and raped him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so these are the interpretations that I'm drawing. And from this, I'm realizing that God chose the most broken, disgraceful Mm -hmm. human beings to bring forth the redeemer of the world. And I just think that is the neatest story. And so it's funny to me because I was just having a conversation with with a friend at a party recently. She started talking to me about how she's starting to read the Bible in a year. And she's at this place where Abraham is basically trying to convince the the kings in the neighboring communities that his that Sarah Sarah's is his sister, sister. So, that they'll, so that they'll sleep with him and they'll let him live. I just read that too. This is maybe a little bit of a tangent, but it doesn't it doesn't say clearly. Well, wasn't it Pharaoh? Yes, and he takes her into his house as his wife. So he basically marries her. Yes. And then all of the terrible things start happening, and that's how he realizes. Yes. Right. So there's actually, God actually sent plagues on the Egyptians twice. Yes. <laughs> which I didn't realize until I read that Once section. Once because either. of Abraham. Yes. The first time was because Abraham. Well, I guess he was Abram still then. Yes. Anyway, so this is just, so there's my, um, that's my interpretations. It's just looking at. The degradation of humanity in this whole section, all of these people, and especially if you even look at David, who was supposed to be the, you know, a man after God's own heart, and he's listed there, and they didn't even have, they didn't list Bathsheba's name, which I find interesting. Mm -hmm. They call her Uriah's wife, which I love because it honors Uriah, Mm -hmm. who was the victim in that entire situation. So that's interpretation. Any questions there? It's such a, this isn't necessarily a question, but I know for me, sometimes these genealogies are easy to just skim right over when I'm reading. Um, but when you dig into it like that and you get to know the people that God uses, so much redemption. So which much is, redemption. Which is, that's the whole story of the Bible is how God redeems 
our messes. And so it's just, it's pretty cool how in something that is really easy to skim over when it's just a bunch of, a list of names that are unfamiliar and hard to say, you can still learn so much about who God is in something so it seems so simple. Yes. And the truth is, is that I'm only really talking about like the most shameful parts of these people, but every single one of those people that I listed actually did incredibly righteous and beautiful and amazing things as well. Mm-hmm. We're just it's such a messy humanity is just so messy. And that's what God, God was still able to use it to come into mm-hmm. the world. Well, and some of the things that he used were the messy parts, like those specific things like, um, yeah, David and Uriah's wife. Like that yes. was the messy part of David's life. And not that that's the only part that God used, but he used it in a really, really huge way. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. In fact, they would never have known at that time. Yeah. That, no idea. Right. The yeah. way, the things that they were doing that they thought were righteous are still were righteous, but it was actually the messiest part that brought mm-hmm. forth Christ. That's really just yep. mind-boggling, which launches us obviously right into application. Under application, I'm just going to read what I have here. If the plan is always at work, our greatest sins God can take through time and make them part of the ultimate redemption of man. And he takes pleasure in doing it because he is a redeemer. That is who he is. Mm-hmm. So that's my, I really just have one application for that whole chapter, which is just the the redeeming plan that God had from the beginning. And even Mary, who was innocent in mm-hmm. the whole thing, the, her willingness to accept the shame that must have come mm-hmm. with, even from her spouse. Right. That, for well, a time. and even Joseph, too, because when you think about it, like you said earlier in your observations, that Joseph's initial response, the thing that he was going to do that was the righteous thing to do, was to divorce her secretly. Because then the the normal thing would have been to make it a very public shameful experience for Mary. Right. And so Joseph even in even in what his initial response was was he was being noble because he was going to do it privately and not yes. make a big deal out of it. And yet God used an angel to show him like that he wanted it to be taken even a step further. Yeah, to do something even harder. Right, even yeah. harder and more shameful, which that would have been the, the divorcing Mary privately would have been shameful for Mary and her family because it would have gotten out, I'm sure, but not as shameful for Joseph. But for Joseph to actually marry her, that was shameful for him too. So he, yes. he allowed himself to be caught up in that whole story regardless of how it was going to look for him. Yeah. So that's chapter one, which who knew you could get that much from a genealogy? I didn't know I could get that much from a genealogy. That's for sure. Annika, how about your reading? Did you have anything from that? Actually, would you just mind telling us a little bit about how the different way that you come to scripture? We've had lots of conversations about how we, we do this differently. And if you, I've alluded it, I alluded to it in the introduction, a separate podcast mm-hmm. episode or the introduction episode. But if you wouldn't mind just sharing a little bit about yeah, that. So inductive Bible study, I guess, would kind of be a goal of mine, too, because it's not something that when I look at scripture, I usually look at scripture along with other people's observations and interpretations. I like to know, um, well, first of all, I like to know how it fits into the framework of all of the story of the Bible. So when I when I came to Matthew, before I even started reading it, I um, 
did some reading and watching of some things that kind of give me an overview of the goal of the book and what Matthew's trying to get across in the points he's trying to make and the way he organizes everything. So I, I like to come, I guess I like to kind of come with a framework already. So I kind of know what to expect a little bit. And I also really like to see how other people are reading it as I'm reading it too. So so inductive Bible study, while it's not something that I've never done, it's not it's something that I don't do on a regular basis, just me and my Bible. I read. I'm, I'm doing actually the same reading plan as Aaron this year in reading through the Bible. But when I'm reading it, I'm just reading it. So mm-hmm. this is helpful for me. And we've had, like you said, lots of conversations about, I, I get to listen to Aaron talk through this. <laughs> Pretty much on a daily basis. I come to my, I come to our running meetings, and <laughs> which I'm is like, why we're doing this. Guess what I just read this morning? I had no idea. It's basically some observation that I made from the text that I had never seen before. Which but. has actually been really fun this month because we're both reading the same things. So, mm-hmm. so it's been fun to come at, come at it like from our different perspectives and yes. just see how completely different things stick out to us in different ways in yes. our reading. That's yeah, she'll kind, refer to something. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't read those words. Yeah, was that today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. So yeah. yeah, I like I like to have um, a little bit of background with scripture, but it's also, I, I mean, I think most of us probably come to scripture with some kind of preconceived whatever. We all have mm-hmm. something, some background. I think I just bring a lot with me when I come. Mm. Yeah, and I probably I have more than I realize, but I definitely didn't grow up with a background in. Uh, I didn't grow up with. I didn't grow up with parents who were heavily involved in the church mm-hmm. and who had studied a lot of theology and mm-hmm. had a frame a, um, a pretty solid framework in mm-hmm. mind. So I've we kind of I refer to it as sort of a tabula rasa. Like I'm a, I was pretty much a blank yeah. slate. Yeah. Now I have had. I mean I've been a strong believer since college so I have many many years Mm -hmm. of learning what other people have taught me but I've Mm -hmm. also learned it sort of just open and willing and there are some things that I've taken and they've become kind of a part of my theology and other things that I've they don't sit well with me and so I've kind of thrown Mm -hmm. them away but I haven't done it through with a systemic yes theological framework in mind so Annika's challenging me in that way, which I appreciate. And um, so we've had lots of great conversations, which is why I feel like she's the perfect person to involve in a podcast that I want to spark a conversation. <laughs> so thank you, Annika, for being a part of it. Uh, that's it for our first episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dive Matthew. If you enjoyed our version of Inductive Bible Study and want to join our community of people all working on the same book of the Bible together, come check us out at divecollective.org and sign up for one of our current live dive studies. We believe you'll find a welcoming community, one where you'll be challenged, inspired, and uplifted. Come and see.